0: This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego.
2: Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Great to be together today, as always, a beautiful day wherever you are. Great, great day. Uh, You know, uh, let me before I get into the Pro-America Report, let me remind you, one of the things I've been doing more and more is the Pledge of Allegiance. I have been doing the Pledge of Allegiance. It's my effort to bring us back to what is the old-fashioned, patriotic, kind of um, habits of America, right? You can barely do the national anthem now because it becomes a political statement. You know, I don't know if you uh, if you can do God Bless America. I haven't seen it be silenced, but I know in more and more places, you won't even do the Pledge of Allegiance. 31 w- words, 31 short words. It's fantastic. It's a habit. It's something that uh, I think if you're 40, well, that's, I'm not sure. Maybe you could, guys can tell me if you want to email me or text me. If I think, you know, I'm 51. Me and my friends, we grew up saying the Pledge of Allegiance. Everybody older than me did too, but I think even everybody younger than me, down to maybe 40. You just, almost anywhere you were in America, you started your day with the Pledge of Allegiance. I think that's right. But anyway, somewhere along the way, we've lost that and we're losing it uh, rapidly. So do the, say the Pledge of Allegiance more and more, bring it back. There's nothing objectionable about it. I hope you'll consider doing that. And, uh... I think you know. I, I, in that speech, if you haven't seen it, General Flynn in Nashville a few days ago, Monday morning, if you see that speech, he opens with uh, about five minutes, three to four, five minutes talking about the Pledge of Allegiance. It's great. It's great. You know, in uh, in a in a world where, in a time where the. Um, Big news and big tech are trying to brainwash us with everything that's terrible. And we'll talk about CNN in a minute. Uh, it seems to me to be a great way to get back in the right direction. The Pledge of Allegiance. Okay. Pro-America Report. We've got great guests as always. Let me cover a couple things before I get to the big one. I, I want to mention the CNN. Congratulations to Project Veritas founder and, uh, and key guy, James O'Keefe. I know some of his team. I know some of their background. I've been a part of some things they've done. The guy's unbelievably talented. I mean, he really is a visionary, a visionary like we have not uh, really seen before. I mean, he's just, and here's the key about Project Veritas, and we'll talk about CNN in a minute. James O'Keefe and and Project Veritas, they're they're hanging in there. There's a lot of people that take up something and then they become so high profile and so, uh, frankly, a target of the left that they last a little while and then they either retire or move on or something. Sometimes they implode. But Project Veritas has been going strong, I'd say for what six or seven years. I way back before the Trump election, uh, they were they had had already a track record of three or four years. So probably eight or ten years, maybe. And it's not an easy game. It's not an easy thing to do. I mean, effectively, citizen journalism like Project Veritas is doing is um, it's it's taxing. There's lawsuits. It's just brutal. So congratulations. Now, Project Veritas's newest uh, newest expose is a CNN uh, technical director describing how they were targeting Trump to get him out of office, and how they're targeting Matt Gates, and basically how they see themselves as partisan warriors. And I think this uh, guy said he basically came to CNN to do that. So it's, it's pretty blatant. Now, I want to tell you something. A few years ago, I was working for CNN. I was a contributor and I was going up there and they, I realized they were pretty crazy, but I was, I was really kind of enjoying the practice, if not the action. I was getting better and better at being on TV. They were doing lots to help me learn, but ultimately I was fired on a Thursday before I was honoring James O'Keefe. In St. Louis with an award. And the reason I was honoring him was because he'd done such great work. Well, at the time he had done an expose on Jeff Zucker and had followed him around and couldn't get him to answer questions. And at least then the, in, the, 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 the CNN coverage of Jeff Zucker, the, the, the Project Veritas coverage of CNN and Jeff Zucker was sort of by insinuation. Zucker wouldn't answer when he was asked questions, even as a journalist might. Well, that's not what's going on here now. What's going on here now is one of the you know senior when someone's a technical director at uh, CNN it, they're not the producer right the producer is the main guy the executive producer is the real main guy but there's an executive producer and then producers technical director would be one at, at CNN one of a dozen people maybe on any given um, on any given show a lot of times in the control room working lots of the technical stuff it's a it's a title that sounds a little more managerial than it probably is. But it is, um, it's a big league ball player. If you're a technical director at CNN, you're not, uh, like, uh, getting coffee. I mean, you're in the inside of that organization's efforts. So it's a big deal. And, of course, what the guy said, and it's only the beginning. We've been told there's going to be more coming from uh, Project Veritas. But what this uh, CNN reporter uh, revealed was that they had this bias, that they were political operatives. He kind of describes for himself that he was um, – proud to be part of the team and the team being get rid of Trump and take down Matt Gates and all these other things. It's extraordinary to hear it and see it. And of course it's only the beginning, only the beginning we're told there's more coming from uh, project Veritas. So congratulations, as I said to James O'Keefe, uh, he's really changing the world uh, amazingly and it's um, something special to watch. So James O'Keefe is, and his team, as I mentioned are really talented. Okay. Uh, moving on to, uh, I think what the big uh, uh, thing I want to tell you about today I, I, I told, I did that on my, um, on my live stream video earlier, uh, I, I talked about this and I was describing that a friend of mine, um, had, had been confronted by some friends of hers who said, I went to another one of these conferences and, uh, you know, conservative gatherings and there's speakers and they speak and they meetings and they meet and there's not a lot of doing. And this person said, you know, we need some marching orders. So let me give you some marching orders today. OK, let me give you a very specific set of marching orders. And one of the reasons why people don't like to give marching orders or make some, you know, give orders, give decisions, say this is what we're going to do is because some people won't want to do it. And I respect that. But, you know, when you when you say, let's say to 100 people, hey, let's go do this. If 30 say they don't want to do it. You can't make them. And sometimes it feels like you're losing. So maybe it's easier just to talk to the 100 and say, Hey, isn't it great to talk to each other? Well, I, I you know, I, I think we got to do more than that. So here's my here's my very specific set of what I would say orders are for uh, for us right now, and they have to do with election integrity. And I'm not even saying it's time to ask your state legislature to act, although I hope you are. Places like Georgia, they already acted. In Texas right now, we're seeing this incredible pressure being put on the state legislature uh, by all the corporate titans trying to stop good reform. But that's happening. No, I'm asking more specifically. I, I want you to start talking to each other, to your friends about one aspect of the election issues. And it's this, because this is so important to change and battle the narrative. And I want you to talk about this. In the last uh, 48 hours, Rasmussen put a poll out and the poll said that 51% of Americans believe that there was cheating in the 2020 election that might've impacted the results. 51%. That's a crisis in confidence in our election system. Now, inside those numbers are even more stunning. It turns out that 30% of Democrats think that the election in 2020, that there was cheating that might have affected the uh, outcome. 74% of Republicans think that. And here's what I'm saying to you. Don't argue with people anymore about the fraud in the election. Don't try to explain how it can't be true that all these places stopped counting and restarted and all these uh, sign- Don't bother now. There'll be some, out. There'll be that will come out later, I hope. I'm going to work on it too. Instead, just simply say it doesn't matter how we got here, we have a problem of voter confidence. Our system, our republic, cannot work if people don't believe the system works. So we have to work on that. And the reason we need common sense reforms is to give people more confidence. They need to know that the system is more secure, that the system is managed better. And when people say, well, it's Donald Trump's fault, say it doesn't matter whose fault it was. It feels to me like it was the Russia, Russia, Russia collusion liars who made us all think that the Russians hacked our system and they didn't. But if you think it's Donald Trump raising questions, that's fine. What we now know is a majority of Americans believe the election was, you know, that the, the election could have had cheating, that there was cheating that could have affected the election. That's devastating for our system. So what you need to know now is don't try to argue about the fraud in the election. Others will do that. I'm one of them, you know, and then there's legal cases, Sidney Powell and others. We'll get to the bottom of that. I hope God wills it. You know, just like they got to the bottom of JFK stealing the election from Nixon and LBJ stealing the election for Senate when he was a young uh, Senate candidate. We'll get it out eventually. But don't do that now because it's it's holding us back. Instead, make the argument clear that we must do something because of voter confidence and ask your election officials what are you doing to address this? What are the transparency checks? What are the security checks? How can we do more? And if you do that, I believe we can get some changes made and we can more importantly keep the conversation going in the right direction. Okay, so this is what you need to know. This is a marching order. Marching order. As to elections, stop fighting about the fraud. Stop telling people you think the election was stolen. That doesn't do any good anymore. Say simply, I don't know how we got here, but we got here now, whether it was Russia, 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 Hillary Clinton saying the elections were illegitimate, Donald Trump saying he thought it was stolen. However, we got here, we're here now, and we've got to work to make the elections better. We've got, to, meaning, we have to get more confidence. And whatever measures you undertake, take them seriously. This is the number one problem, because if the elections become, a, if our nation becomes uh, only a few thousand, excuse me, a few percentage, 14% voted in St. Louis County a few days ago in one of their elections. 8% in Jefferson County in Missouri, a county I'm familiar. If our country becomes that place, it doesn't, we lose the republic. So that's what's at stake. All right, we'll take a break. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here in a Pro America Report. Don't forget, visit proamericareport.com to be there and get signed up for our daily um, email message. Be right back. Ed Martin, Pro America Report. welcome back welcome back it's ed martin here in a pro america report our next guest is austin roos i austin i know i had you on the show before a few times but austin roos is very well known we're gonna talk about his new book in a moment but very well known uh for, for a lot of things writing and speaking appearances on uh, television uh he wrote a book on trump uh but he also is really well known for folks that track this stuff as president of the Center for Family and Human Rights, CFAM, which is a, an organization that is uh, is UN accredited, the United Nations, and is in there. One of the leading, to me, one of the leading conservative organizations at the UN. Sort of watchdog slash policy push and uh, really a helpful organization. If you haven't seen it, uh, know about CFAM, uh, find out more. So Austin, welcome back to the program. Austin Roos, how are you, sir?
0: I'm very fine. Uh, thanks for having me,
2: Ed. Well, and Austin, before we get to the book, I want to spend a bunch of time on because it's uh, great you did it. And uh, and it's the book is called Underseas. We'll talk a lot about it. But I do want to ask you, um, <laughs> I mean, the world changed dramatically eight, 10 weeks ago. And at the U.N., maybe more so than anywhere, you see the fruits of the change. Tell us about what what it's like now to see such a big change from the presidency of uh, Biden, uh, Trump to Biden.
0: Well, there is a video that started circulating yesterday where uh, Biden, UN ambassador uh, told the UN Human Rights Committee that uh, there is racism built into the DNA of our country from our founding documents. Uh, So uh, that is a fundamental change from people who love our country to people who obviously hate our country. In terms of the life issues, it's uh, it's a complete turnaround. Uh, You know, he's funded the UN Population Fund. He's refunded uh, the, the UN H- Human Rights Committee. Uh, they've taken a very aggressive stand on abortion in UN documents. They just announced last week that they were disbanding the Commission on Unalienable Rights that was founded uh, uh, under President Trump and that was chaired by Marianne Glenn of Harvard. Uh, they have said that they are going to include abortion in uh, the annual human rights report, uh, an abortion report on every single country in the world. Uh, so they, uh, it, it is, it is just the biggest profound turnaround that I have seen in the 25 years that I've been doing this at the UN.
2: Well, and again, we're talking with Austin Roos and, uh, and I promise we'll get to your book, but so, so quickly though, is, is there any, is there much resistance at the UN? Are there any forces that are saying, Hey, it was better to not sort of roll over and be leftist? Or is the, is the entire place sort of that way? You know, I mean, are there any other leading nations? I, I mean, I, I remember um, so one of my friends in Poland saying, you know, it's for us, it's a funny thing to say out loud, but Putin and, and Russia are sometimes more conservative, are more helpful because they're more conservative on certain issues. Is there anybody that's a counterweight to uh, these policies in the UN?
0: Well, you know, uh, the Trump administration laid a lot of good groundwork. Uh, we just finished a, a negotiation uh, a couple of weeks ago called the Commission on the Status of Women, and uh, it was a big victory for us there. We, there, there were no new additions of, of reproductive health. Uh, they, they fought tooth and nail. They complained bitterly afterwards that the pro-life countries won, we're in the midst of a negotiation in the Commission on Social Development. The same thing will probably happen here. Actually, they probably won't end up with a document because there's so much disagreement over these controversial issues. So Mm. actually, we're in a fairly good place. The leader of the opposition at the Commission on the Status of Women was Brazil. Uh, But Mm. the African nations are very strong. Uh, so we're we're in not a bad spot right now. And I think we're mm. helped by the overreach of the Biden administration because they've become so radical so fast.
2: Uh, again, we're talking with Austin Roos, who is the head of the Center for Family and Human Rights, CFAM, also one of the founders of the National Catholic Prayer Breakfast. So let's let's switch gears to that. The new book is Under Siege, No Finer Time to Be a Faithful Catholic. So uh, here's my transition. Joe Biden's made a lot out of uh, uh, saying he's a Catholic. He's made a lot out. I had somebody say the other day that a, a woman who's was a, 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 a second year sophomore at Georgetown was going to go to mass on Sunday because she, at a certain church because she was hoping to see Joe Biden. He's talked a lot about being Catholic. I, you know, you're know, you writing about under siege, no finer time to be a faithful Catholic. What's the, what's the difference? I mean, what is it, what's it like to have <laughs> a, a Catholic like Biden in charge?
0: Well, you know, Biden, of course, is an unfaithful Catholic. Uh, he opposes the teachings of the Church on fundamental issue, on fundamental moral issues like the sanctity of human human life. So, so what the book is about is how we're living a, in a very dark time in our country's history. Uh, you know, widespread abortion, widespread pornography. Uh, soft totalitarianism, the corporations have turned against us, the universities have turned against us. And I've covered this stuff as a journalist now for, for a couple of decades. But the good news is that, um, and, and here I speak as a religious conservative, God sent us, and I and I, and I put it this way, lame, lame us to He knew that that these times were going to be so desperate, and who did he send? He sent the likes of you and me, and you know we're the A team. But you know, you know
2: what, brother? The apostles weren't the A team either. And wait a second, (laughs) I don't like how this is. I don't like how this is going, Austin. I think at least you're the at least you're the A team, but. but OK, but let me ask you, I, I mean, how do you how do you tell, you know, that you, you have the you're like Phyllis Schlafly, for whom I worked, who had a perspective and sort of stayed joyful because they had this perspective yeah. that it could always be worse. And, you you know, sort of, you know, you don't really you don't it's not you, you don't it's not that you don't mourn and grieve the, the these travesties, but you just have a perspective and you keep pl- plugging and, and but. When you're a a normal, faithful Christian Catholic, and this is, we're talking about Austin Roos' book is Under Siege, um, and you watch the Super Bowl commercials. Every other commercial is pushing the LGBT uh, XYZ agenda. You know, around you is everybody is saying, You know, uh, you know, um, um, uh, if not abortion, at least, you know, not having many kids or not, you know, and and it's like and you can't even get away from it. And people it feels to me, Austin, like more and more people. the, The title's a great one. We're under siege. And when you're under siege, you bunker down and it's hard to get out from the bunker because you're just barraged.
0: Well, I'll tell you what. One of, the, one, of the, one of the images that I use in the book is from uh, the movie Full Metal Jacket uh, w- when they were trying to clear the streets of Hue uh, <laughs> right. in the Vietnam War. And, and, and they were hunkered down behind a wall because there was a sniper. And uh, Animal Mother, if you'll remember the movie, jumped over the yep. wall and charged the sniper's nest. And, and that's yeah. what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be charging the sniper's nest. Now, not everybody can do that. Not everybody can do what you and I do. But people can write letters to the editor. They can send a check to the organizations that are charging the sniper's nest. They, they, they can go down to the school board and shake the hand of the lonely, pro-life, pro-family uh, member of the school board who is besieged but could use an attaboy. There's so much. I, I say that there are. Halos hanging from the lowest branches of the trees these days. All you need to do is reach up and grab one. Um, and, yeah. and like Phyllis, you know, and like you, I'm a happy warrior. I, I, I love this fight and it's a, it, it's an honor that he called us to it
2: we're talking again with austin roos his book is under siege by the way it's uh, published by sophia institute uh press they have some great had some great books in the last couple of years i've enjoyed having them on so sophia institute press and austin roos okay under siege is the book austin um how's <laughs> this is going to sound ridiculous how's it end i mean the meaning how does it you know these things <laughs> ebb and flow and and i you know you, you you know that as bad as it gets one day it'll flow back and it'll ebb and it'll yeah. flow and there's no sort of, but is it, is this, um, it feels like this one, we're sort of, uh, we're flowing in the wrong direction further than ever. I mean, do you sense both? And I, I, you and I could talk about politics forever, but I'm talking about the culture and the, and the, and the social, it, it, do you feel a, a, a revival coming or are, you, are we just working towards it? Hoping it's open. It, it's, it is coming. I mean, what are you, what are you sensing?
0: You know, uh, T.S. Eliot said there are no lost, causes because there are no one causes. And what that means is these kind of fights started in the Garden of Eden, and they're going to go, yay, into the end of time. So all we can do is, is work on what is right in front of us. And as a Catholic, when you say the Hail Mary, you, at, you, you ask her to pray for us now, and at the hour of our death and the two time periods we should be concerned about are what is right in front of us today and what ought we to do and the moment of our death so we can be welcomed into the beatific vision. We need not worry about the past. We need not worry overly about the future, but fight the fight that is in front of us every single day. Um, and, and that's what I say. We should, be not, we should be less concerned about winning and more concerned about doing our duty every day.
2: Yeah, well, it's um, you're good at this. So Austin Roos, again, the book is called Under Siege, uh, The uh, No Finer Time to Be a Faithful Catholic. And, of course, I, I encourage people go to the Center for Family and Human Rights, CFAM. Hey, Austin, remind me the website. I don't have it written down in front of me. What's the website for CFAM?
0: It is c-fam.org. And, uh, you know, I, I hate to okay. use the A word, but I urge everybody to go to Amazon and buy the book today. We need a lot of pre-orders. It's coming out April 27th.
2: There- Great. We'll do it. And I'll push it back again. We'll push this out again when we get closer. Thanks, Austin. Thanks for all you do. And hang in there. And We'll talk again very soon.
0: Thanks, pal. Be good.
2: Okay. All right. We'll take a break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here, the Pro-America Report. Our old friend, Dr. Thomas Williams, is back with us. He, of course, is the Rome correspondent. That was going to be right. Breitbart Rome Bureau Chief. He also has a, been a, he's a professor of ethics. He's a, he is a well-known uh, guy, has appearances on TV and uh, does a lot of things. But I, I was tracking you, uh, uh, D- uh, Dr. Williams, uh, for this reason. There was a piece that you wrote a few days ago. I think it may even be almost a week uh, about the Christian Post uh, uh, decrying assault on white America. Now, at the time, I thought, okay, Dr. Thomas Williams, Breitbart's Rome Bureau chief, he has the perspective, he knows church history, he knows all the stuff. I'll ask him about this. Now, since I booked you and we're here together, in the last 24 hours, we've had the UN representative from the United States, Joe Biden's pick, claim that white supremacy is in the fabric of the American founding what's going on here? What's the larger perspective on this? I, th-
1: I think the larger perspective, Ed, and it's very you know distressing for me and people like us that look on this from a historical viewpoint, we see that they're trying to divide America by race, something that we've been able to overcome in the last decades, and now it's coming back to haunt us again. But it's haunting us not because it's it's rising on its own, but because it's provoked, that people want to, identify people primarily by their skin color, primarily by their DNA, and not by their identity as Americans, not by their history, not by their culture, but simply by whether you're white or black. And we've seen this, you know, in a move now to look into uh, indemnities for, for blacks as Somehow being, uh, you know, a, a partaking of slavery, they want to charge whites as somehow partaking to slave ownership. Uh, this is a very, very dangerous thing that's happening in America, where we're being divided by race when we don't even want to be divided by race. Blacks don't want it, whites don't want it, and yet this is this is the the scenario we're looking at.
2: When when you're we're talking with uh, Dr. Thomas Williams, Rome Bureau Chief for Breitbart, uh, go to breitbart.com He writes all the time and and. Uh, and and lots there. Um, when you when the world looks at America doing this to ourselves, and the mainstream media, the fake news, and now big tech joining in, this is sort of sort of new. The fear mongering, uh, the newest one is racism and all. But when the world looks at us, what are they seeing? I mean, because America, we have some flaws, but for most of the world, they look at it and see, man, that, that, that that's a place where. There's no kings that are in charge. There's no family lines that always, I guess the Clintons and the Bushes, but other than that, there's no family lines. I mean, what does the world think of us?
1: I, I honestly think, Ed, that they look on us and they are amazed at what we're doing to ourselves. They see a very, very strong republic, the longest standing democracy in in world history, and they say they are imploding and they're doing it to themselves. And the way we look at things The Europeans, when they look at slavery, you know what they see? They see millennia of slavery. White, white, black, black. The color doesn't matter. Slavery has been a reality since the foundation of the world. This has never been a racial thing. Only in America do we make this about black and white. When we look at history, the Americans are the only ones that divide the line fiercely down between black and white. The rest of these countries around the world say, look, this is what we do. This is humanity. There have been a lot of errors in our past, a lot of abuses, a lot of atrocities. But to make this all about black and white is simply ridiculous. And even from American history, the way that we've dealt with each other, it's never been a question just of race. It's been a question. Humanity, if I look back to my own history, I have got murderers and rapists and terrible people. And I've also got victims of every sort. All of us do. If we if we yeah. start looking back to our past and say, you know, who am I? No, who am I is the choices I make, the decisions I make. Who am I today? It's not about who might be in my past, what grandparent you might want to pick up, and say in what color I might happen to be. If we look at ourselves that way, everything is lost. At it. And I think the rest of the world looks in America and they realize that this is a path. It's a very bad way to go.
2: Uh, we're talking with, uh, with uh, Dr. Thomas Williams, who is the Breitbart Rome Bureau chief and uh, writer and, uh, and, uh, and has a presence on media. Um, uh, let me shift a little bit from your, your perch there, observing uh, Pope Francis. In the last month and a half, he said something about uh, marriage that made the left surprise. They made the left crazy. They thought, wait, you're supposed to be liberal on everything. Uh, but also then his, one of his key people, and you wrote this up, said multilateralism is a privileged way to promote the common good. So uh, what do we have here? We have a we have a Jesuit Pope who's I, what liberal on all the internationalist stuff and the globalist stuff, but has a has a hint of being uh, uh, conservative on some of the others.
1: I think I think you hit the nail on the head. Ed. that's exactly right. I think I think the Pope is a believing Catholic Christian who understands that certain things are non negotiable. I think politically he is a progressive leftist, and so he. Really, really buys into the globalist look on things, and he will support uh, the idea of multilateralism. He's a big UN guy. He believes that that individual nation states should not be making decisions for themselves, but always in you know conjunction with others. And at the same time, on basic moral issues like, as you mentioned, the question of, of marriage and even the question of gay marriage, he's been surprisingly conservative, simply because that is. What his faith teaches him. And and the uh the, the text you mentioned is one by the doctrinal office of the Vatican, which said that priests cannot bless gay unions. They can't bless same-sex unions because, and this is a very strong statement that they made, God does not and cannot bless sin. And it doesn't mean that we don't love sinners and you know, the, the, the CDF, the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith, was quick to say we will bless individuals even if they have homosexual tendencies and even if they commit all sorts of heinous acts. That's not the point. But we will not bless a union that in itself is not something holy and good that leads to people's sanctification. And all of us know we've all got sin in our lives. We know that things in our lives cannot be blessed. We can be blessed as individuals and as persons. But not everything about us can be blessed, and, and the sin in our lives cannot be blessed. And I think that's basically what the, what the Vatican's saying here.
2: We're talking again with Dr. Uh, Thomas Williams, who's a Breitbart uh, Rome bureau chief. I uh, just got about a minute and a half left, but on that, on that point right now, you know, as an observer of, the, of, the, uh, of, of Catholicism up close, the Vatican and then America, it, 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 is, um, it is wonderfully confounding in a way that you have somebody who can say that about marriage, and be so clear on it and pretty clear on abortion, too, at various times and yet infuriate people in other ways. I mean, it is kind of it is kind of the a genius of of the uh, of the Catholic faith.
1: Well, I agree with you completely. And, and you know, a lot of Catholics will come to you and say, look, we can't be, you can't draw the line here and say conservative, liberal, whatever, Catholic is its own thing. And there is some truth to that. Um, there's no question, however, that when you look at the, the Christian and, and particularly the Catholic faith throughout history, it has been a conservative movement. It's handing down something. It is traditional in the sense that it's not reinventing itself every decade or two it is handing down a truth that it received from a founder 2000 years ago so you know the catholic faith will always end up being conservative in its core because it's trying to conserve something that it did not invent but it, that it received
2: yeah well and also and and uh one add on to that too is um i think it's conservative because it also uh, stands uh stands in time and doesn't move as much with the moment right and that's another part of that well i know it's great conversation hey hey, dr thomas d williams thank you for what you're doing breitbart.com again breitbart's rome bureau chief i'll put up the piece i was referring to that he wrote and we'll uh, talk again soon thank you very much
1: can't wait ed thank you
2: okay thank you uh tom williams dr thomas williams from breitbart.com we'll take a break and be right back it's ed martin here on the pro america report back in a moment
1: this is the phyllis schlafly report A daily broadcast from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, a national volunteer organization founded by Phyllis Schlafly and continuing to uphold her legacy by honoring family values, opposing radical feminism, and representing a conservative perspective in our nation's capital. Now the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin.
2: Democrats are infatuated with the narrative that rich people are all a bunch of crooks who inherited their money, don't work for a living, and don't pay any taxes. Fortunately, that narrative is built on lies. According to the largest study of millionaires ever conducted, only 21% of millionaires received any inheritance. That means 80% of millionaires are first-generation wealthy. Shockingly, the general population is just as likely to have received an inheritance. Also, it's worth pointing out that the wealthy do pay their fair share in taxes. Based on the most recent figures available, the top 50% of taxpayers paid 97% of all federal income taxes. The bottom 50% of taxpayers only account for 3% of tax revenue. Keep in mind, even though these first-generation millionaires pay significantly more taxes than other Americans, they are not getting any added return for their investment in the federal government. The military protects everyone else just as much as they protect the rich. The interstate road system is just as rough for the rich as for the poor. National parks are open to all. Even though the wealthy few pay much more through the progressive income tax, they get no added benefit. Now, Senator Elizabeth Warren is pushing her phony wealth tax again. This tax would charge someone an annual tax for just having money rather than for earning it. Her proposal calls for us to add this system as another layer on top of the current income tax system. As Senator Warren sees it, this is the best way to make sure the government squeezes rich people for all they're worth. When pressed on why she is so keen to punish the wealthy, Senator Warren was only able to list off a bunch of free handouts that the government could give if they simply had more money. As far as I'm concerned, Democrats can promise free college and free childcare all they want, but they cannot convince me to further punish honest Americans for the crime of having money. I support lower taxes for everyone, no matter what your income bracket may be.
1: This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. For the U.S. economy to flourish, free enterprise needs to be rewarded. Competition and capitalism need to be encouraged. At phyllisschlafly.com, you'll find alerts and strategies for strengthening our economy and standing against socialism. That's phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report.
2: Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. And let's cover something. This is very important and very interesting news. I want to uh, share this with you. You recall how the CEO's... Uh, in Georgia, after the Georgia law passed that had tightened up the election integrity, um, Delta, Coca-Cola, Major League Baseball all protested about the uh, this law and they got all agitated, right? You recall that. Now down in Texas, there are a bunch of CEOs that are pressuring the legislature to not do real reform. Well, a ho- hundred or so of the <clears throat> most famous CEOs and some retired CEOs ran an advertisement in the New york times and the washington post i think that's where they ran it that said you know we support uh access to voting and we oppose all voter suppression laws and many many ceos signed it but some didn't and some didn't including jamie Dimon, who's a big wall street guy as well as the ceo of walmart walmart didn't sign it and people immediately <clears throat> excuse me in the new york times <clears throat> immediately started targeting these ceos in fact, the front uh, a, a lengthy, not a front page, but a, a lengthy bold um, article reporting on this. Uh, the CEOs said, "You know, how can it be that some CEOs didn't sign up?" And so you can see that the sort of broader, the forget the cancel culture, that's cleaner, call it the pressure culture, the pressure culture, the you know peer pressure culture of this uh, the woke mob is exerting itself on these big businesses. Now, many of the conservative states are just doing what they want to do. This is this is, by the way, an echo of the old fight over abortion and over um uh gay marriage and things like that, where the businesses would say, you know, if you're too hard line on this, we won't be able to have our businesses here. And you had to make a decision. And so a lot of that's a big thing. In fact, uh, Mike Pence, when he was governor of Indiana, you'll recall, he um he caved to the pressure of the NCAA and others on one of the religious protection uh acts that was passed at the local level. But be that as it may. This is the fight right now. So the question you have to ask is when a Washington Examiner report yesterday or so, or maybe earlier today, when it came out and it quoted the Coca-Cola leadership saying something like, well, maybe we shouldn't be so uh, hard line on some of these things. There's two sides to everything. And people that have concerns about voter uh, uh, elections should be heard. You wanted to say to yourself, what did the Coca-Cola CEO know? Because you remember, there's a famous moment uh, when someone asked Michael Jordan about politics, and it was it was while I think he was still either playing or or around the time he was retiring. He didn't have as much distance from it as he does now. In fact, I think now he's much more politically active. But back then, he was still young enough in his professional career as a pitchman, not just it could have been after he had finished playing, but it might have been right towards the end of his playing career. But he was asked, and he said, uh, you know, someone said, are, "Are you Republican or Democrat? Are you going to support this or that?" And he said, "Republicans buy sneakers too." That has generally been the position of big CEOs and big businesses is to say, you know, we're selling sneakers or or, uh, cola. We're not going to get into these other things. But that's clearly changed. And the point I want to tell you is what's changed about it. And I know you think I'm a broken record, but I'm not. I'm just right. What's changed about it is the fact that machine is so effective at hammering home this message, that's what's so effective about it is that hammering home the message on what's exactly happening and what they want to have happen. So you have big tech, which is agitating in the direction of the, the 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 pressure culture, not the cancel culture, but the pressure culture, the the woke pressure culture of on the CEOs and businesses. Big tech is pushing that hard. Big media is pushing it hard. But here's the wrinkle. It's come to the point where big government under Joe Biden, it's pretty clear that Joe Biden's got a team around him, if not him, that is willing to utilize and use the power that they have pretty darn ruthlessly, pretty darn ruthlessly. And therefore, if you're a businessman and you're watching, you know, this is the old example, though, I've always said about big, uh, big government as big governments grown, you know, there's a million ways that the federal government can make your life miserable if you're a business. There's the EPA. Almost every business gets impacted by the EPA. There's OSHA, you know, health standards. There's taxes. There's, um, you know, uh, interstate commerce, international rules, all kinds of things that can be invoked as a part of how the government can get to you. And now the government can use the power of big tech and big media and its own power to sort of build the narrative. And the last thing you want to do, right, is be bigoted and be targeted. If you're bigoted and targeted, you're worried and you're worried and you're, you're worried in you're in the community you live in. That's another part of this is they make it so in the community you live in, you get a lot of grief, but certainly in the broader uh, community, you know, they'll mess with your stock price. You know, they'll give you bad attention and they'll make your life miserable. And if you're a CEO, you just want to navigate that. By the way, let's do a hat tip. Can we do a hat tip? Tip of the hat to the people at Chick-fil-A for navigating this pretty darn well, because they're pretty conservative. They've caved a little bit, by the way, on some of their core things, I think on some of the gay issues or marriage issues and stuff. but, But in general... They got the target off their back, and I wonder how. Actually, I wonder how they did that. I wouldn't be surprised if there's some, you know, uh, uh, some sort of well, the old Jesse Jackson Rainbow Coalition thing, where you know you just have to pay for consulting services, and we'll back everybody off. That's a that's a pretty good trick. If you're uh, back in the day, the Jesse Jackson move that worked pretty well. So, but that's an interesting one. The CEOs being targeted by the uh, pressure culture, the peer pressure culture, and then though some like uh, Coca-Cola. That are suddenly saying, maybe it's not worth it to get on the wrong side of half the country. Maybe that's not worth the trouble. That, that, that Maybe that's a miscalculation. So we'll see about that. All right, everybody. Thank you, as always, to our great technical director, Noah, uh, for leading us and keeping things going on time. Thank you to your guests. And we thank you for our great guests. Don't forget, visit ProAmerica.com. Report.com, proamericareport.com, and sign up for your daily wink email and see these interviews. And I will talk to you tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Thanks for listening.
0: This is the Pro America Report on The Answer, San Diego.